Hello and welcome to Dances for Buildings, the podcast where we hear the highs, lows, turning points and sweaty parties that make up the life of a DJ. Just a heads up before we begin, this episode contains some strong language. I'm Emily Dust, a DJ, curator and documentary maker. I've always loved the chance meetings and strange places that DJing has taken me and I know I'm not the only one with stories. So this is a podcast where I ask some of the world's most interesting DJs to share their stories. It's about travel through the lens of club culture and about perfecting the craft of DJing. I hope this podcast helps you explore cities in new ways. And if you're a DJ, I hope you also pick up some tips along the way. In this episode, we talk to one of South America's most exciting talents, Bad Sister. A producer and DJ based in Sao Paulo, Brazil, Bad Sister shot onto the international scene in 2015 with a track she produced alongside Tap called Na Madruga. It was an instant hit on dance floors and has been remixed and sampled across the world. Around that time, she did her first ever interview on my radio show. But by the time we have this conversation, Bad Sister has gone clear. She gets stopped in the street in her neighbourhood and she's crossed into a space where she's truly seen as an artist who sets the tone in her sets, rather than a DJ who plays the big tunes. And she is an absolute genius on the decks. We talk about that journey, why her first gigs in Europe made her laugh, the best clubs in Sao Paulo, and her experiences playing the infamous Nyege Nyege Festival in Uganda. Welcome to episode two with Bad Sister. Hello, everyone. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm actually re- really happy and satisfied <laughs> what, today. What a lovely way to start an interview. Right? <laughs> Already in a good mood. For people who don't know, Bad Sister is a producer and a DJ based in Sao Paulo, originally from Natal in the north of Brazil. She released her WEP back in 2016. Since then, she has been making incredible music, going from strength to strength. She has been a musical director for Linda Cabrada. She's toured the world as a DJ. She's now also starting to put live instruments into her show as well, which is absolutely amazing. Like, half a... I feel very honoured that my first... You have to see it. Yeah, I would like to see it. And I also feel very honoured that, like, I did the first interview with you ever when you were Uh teeny tiny. I was such a baby. (laughs) Looking at where you are now and where you were in, like, 2016, like, what... Did you sort of... Is it was this the goal back then? I don't know because uh, actually there was no like there was no such a, a goal you know like I was doing because I needed to make some money you know so like after I was doing I started to see oh okay it's possible to to go to other places you know like I don't have to to stay here and keep doing this kind of music or playing this kind of tracks in this kind of parties you know like i can do something that is more artistic than like just being a, a dj of i don't know that put some i don't know there's something that i can put my print on it mm. and not just only like go with the flow you know so I think for me, once I, I started to realize this and also started to have the uh, a good self-esteem as an artist, you know, to do this, uh, this was like my turning point, you know, like when I realized I was really big and I didn't know, 
you know before like uh, i i when i started to travel i was like you just like you know you knew about me and i didn't know that people from outside the country knew about my work or was listening to uh, some like really crazy shit that i was putting on the internet or with no mixing no mastering no anything no like super technical knowledge you know like i was just like uh, going with uh with the feeling uh just you know just going like uh letting the music move me you know we're going to talk about it and i should say this is a this is going to be like a proper deep conversation so we are going to get into no, we music. don't have to go so deep we are going to go deep i have so much to ask you because i just think like there's so much about your journey and what it represents that's really interesting and it's very rare that like we get the chance to sit down in a room together with a microphone so i just I'm want an to... interesting person as well guys. yes there uh... you go see <laughs> i just want to know like so you you were born in natal you moved to sao paulo as a teenager like what was the... actually was like uh, i was born born in sao paulo i ah, moved to okay. the, uh, but all my family is from natal you know that's it and uh i moved to natal when i was uh younger actually i started to study like more difficult stuff about acoustic guitar while i was in natal because i was there there's nothing happening you know? what's the music <laughs> scene like there what's the kind of like culture of music in in natal is more like for her for her it's really strong like pizero for her it's really strong they have like this really strong electronic scene uh that they what what they like to play like really electronic and queer scene that they like to listen to house stuff you know so like they play lots of house music but it's something that doesn't doesn't make them so much money so it's more about the community you know but it's it's so beautiful to see because people when they like the first time i played there all my cousins they went Thank you, honey. All my cousins, they, they went to the party and like I was being recognized on the streets, you know, like for me, it was crazy because I used to live there and, and I was nobody when I was living there and coming back, like being somebody with my workers, of course, you know, it was super nice. So that um, must and it must have felt like, how did it feel? Because also like going back, you would have been like you said a bit more established in your artistry you weren't just there as like a party dj or someone who was making for all you were like doing your own thing yeah this is crazy right like uh i, I was going as bad sister i was not going like a, a dj trying to make some gigs you know yeah like, also like i knew when i do this kind of parties in the northeast i always try to not charge my whole fee you know mm. so this party I, I played for free actually like they just uh, I was in the city nearby, so they just pay the, the the bus for me to get there, and I played for free, and it was so amazing. Like people were screaming all the time, <laughs> all the time, and they were screaming so much. You know, it was really crazy. Also, like uh, I also played there, and during the carnival this year also my all my cousins they went they don't like to say they are my cousins you know why they don't like to people get you know get close to them because of me you know wow so they don't like to say they are my cousins even my brother he my brother he's with me all the times in the parties and 
And sometimes I say, oh, this is my brother. This is your brother? I always see this guy. And this is your brother? Yeah, it's my brother. You know? Wow. So it's more a way and to my family, uh, protect they, you. Yeah, my family, They, I, I think... Uh, me, me, I like fame a, a little bit, you know, but they, they don't like, like, <laughs> at and, all, at all. And what was your earliest memory of going out, like, to a club or to a party? To people, like, because I guess you start going out at carnival when you're a child, really, in Brazil. Yeah, actually, my family used to take me to Forró, you know, <laughs> a lot. I have a a picture with this singer called Frank Aguiada. He's, like, a really famous singer when I was, like, a kid when i show to my to my friends they're like no you got to be kidding me <laughs> yeah it's him look <laughs> and it's me <laughs> tiny tiny yeah. Yeah. so yeah also i have some some uh, i have a cousin that he's he used to be from the electronic scene you know so i think the first time i went to a club it was one of his birthdays you know the first first time but then I started to go out like by myself when I was like 14, 15 years old. And I started to go to places where I, where I could afford that it was like just a few places and you know? all like, or even like staying in the street, listening to some music on the phone, you know, drinking some cheap alcohol or. <laughs> Yeah, was the that same story the universal always... teenage experience and was this in sao paulo at this point yeah i was in sao paulo already and what were the differences between natal like when you moved to sao paulo in terms of the music scene um because sao paulo is a huge it's the sort of the heart of the established music industry in brazil really isn't it yeah it's like sao paulo you have so many people mm. you have so many places you have so many different scenes they everybody can like uh there's there's work and crowd for everyone you know it's not the same in natal you know like this this part is that i was talking to uh, about the the people that they used to like more like house music and stuff they can do so much money you know they do because they want to listen to this music it's more like queer people uh some of them they have money some of them they they don't have so much money so Sometimes they can like pay for other DJs to come there. Sometimes they don't have money to do it, you know. So if you want to go, it's up to you to go, you know, if you want to make the community stronger. So in Sao Paulo, no. Sao Paulo, we, we deal with money, you know, like the kind of money that we, we are like deal with Sao Paulo. It's not the same money that you see like in some other Brazilian cities, you know. In what so, way? Uh, if if I'm a DJ in in São Paulo, like the minimum I get is three hundred reais, and in Natal the, you can play for fifty, you know, or a mm. hundred, you know. And if you ask for two hundred, they're going to say like, "Are you kidding me?" No. One of the things that makes you so interesting, as a, not just as an artist but also as a DJ, is your ability to like cross all these different scenes because you're like into the rave scene but you also draw on funk you're very connected yeah. to the queer community like there's so many things coming on and like you can hear it in your music you can hear it in your dj mixes how does it sort of play out in the city yeah you know i i think this is a result of uh, living like um <clears throat> as a teenager in like the, the end of my teenage, you know, in Sao Paulo. So in Sao Paulo, you, you see so many stuff all the time that it's hard to ignore, you know? Like you can also go to places that is going to play some electronic music 
or you can go to places that you're going to play like dance hall or reggae or you can go to rock shows you know like you can see so many stuff you can go to sambas for me uh, what i like it's music you know so i don't i don't like to oh no no this this is only one brazilian style of music that i love i don't like so much but uh it's cert certain age <laughs> yeah, certain like? age is super like super sees straight and uh, you know like i feel like even samba samba is also like super cisgender and straight but i feel like you are more welcomed you know into the dynamic mm. i feel like in certain age if it, it's like if you don't play by your rules like i always connect because of music you know it's not oh you're from from i don't know tech house i don't like you mm. right now there's a tech uh, she's she plays like tech house deep house this kind of stuff i don't like so much but i admire her i admire her so much like i admire her work mm. you know like to be there in that kind of scene and be big you know and playing like nice festivals this is so cool you know when i dj'd in sao paulo like i just remember the venues were crazy and there's this feeling <laughs> of like everything <laughs> everything's crazy and like downtown sao paulo people were like oh my god you're going downtown but i was like well yeah that's where we're playing and we played in a club called trackers uh -huh. which is i don't know if it's even still there now but it's like uh, I, I think it's still there but it's I think not the they open. They open like a, a new place in somewhere else. Because this was like an old apartment building, and you could still yeah. see where like the sort of bathroom was, and they'd had like a bar built and everything. It just felt like it had very recently been kind of taken over and turned into something. What are some of the like venues that have really like shaped you and your sound in Sao Paulo? Yeah, I I think like the Zig Club. It's like a place that everybody complains about, but like we always go you know <laughs> what's what's wrong with it I, i don't know it's tiny it's like <laughs> it's tiny you'll see all these crazy things happening but we always there you know like we always there like and i, I watched a uh, really nice uh djs on, on z club actually and right now they open like this new venue that it's like super huge super big you know And it's being really like crowded, and the the parties are nice actually because it's super dark, you know. It's super. He has all this red light all the time, so I think you you feel more more private, mm. you know, to just like lose yourself. You know, the funny thing is, São Paulo, like you have the venues, but you also have the parties, and sometimes the parties they they are more like. Yeah, tell me about some of the parties. Then. Yeah, you know, like. Uh, I think Mamba Negra was mm. one of them that shaped me a lot because the, at the time they were doing lots of parties in the streets and that was a place that I could go, you know, because I had no money to pay for the ticket and I didn't know anyone. So, and I was too shy to, you know, like, oh, can you give me a VIP, please? <laughs> so uh, I was going like just on the street edition. So. It was super nice, you know, to see that electronic music because in my mind it was like for rich people and white people. And when I was there, you can see that it's like everybody enjoy it, you know. 
also Mamba Negra and Vampire Vampire House also but it's Vampire is more like hard techno really but uh, um, Susanna that is the owner she used to do Vampire and the entry was for free mm. and you have so many different people there like even more different than Mamba Negra you know you have the queer people you have people from the outskirts you have like you have the playboys you you have everything you know so the crowd was really like it's really sao paulo you know like when you take oh come 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 the diversity of sao paulo mm. <laughs> yeah vampire house mamba negra also some uh some reggae parties that used to happen like um in the street like uh dub version Also, the Lady Die Sound System that is called Ghetto Pro Ghetto that she used to do for free as well. Like, every edition was for free. And, yeah, I think this is, like, the main parties that was, like, shaping me, you know, during, through the years. Also, there was one of them that Cezinha used to do that is called Colabi 0011. 0011s are... DDD from for Sao Paulo city, and this one the, it was like more bass music at the time, so it was more like when we met, you mm. know. There was a lot of like trap that came a little bit after we met, wasn't there? From the Brazilian underground scene, it was very yes, future beatsy, yes. and then a lot of it went quite trap, yes, and like quite EDM. Yes, yes. And you went into more like techno and stuff. Yes, you know, let me tell you why. Because the, the best parties in Sao Paulo and also like in, in Brazil, they were like shutting down like every collective. They were like, the people were not being so, you know, like it was not so crowded like before. Mm. And the techno parties, they were like, super super you know crowded and i was like okay i have to do something yeah <laughs> no, like i can't stop working <laughs> so it was a career choice like, i don't want to send like any curriculum you know like i don't want to apply to jobs you know like fuck that shit i want to do my stuff so i was already like mixing with more houses stuff and and uh this was like my cue to go like with full power you know mm. on it. there was a point at which you decided like i'm going to be an artist i'm not just going to go to parties and just play what they expect how did you step into that version of yourself as an artist i uh, guess I, i think when i was when i was playing this bass music parties it was like i i saw the dynamics it was really like okay something is like super uh hyped right now let's go everybody let's go do this you know And I was like, I don't want to follow anything, you know, like I have, to, like for me, the only thing to keep doing this, I, I have to be needed, you know, like, and it has to be me. If you want it like this, you have to call me, mm. you know, so I started to think, how can I do it? How can I, how can I say what's coming up? And not just follow what's happening. And how much did your productions play a part in you being able to set that lane for yourself? Yeah, I think when I did a, a remix for Teto Preto, that uh, we're really like merging universes, you know. Uh, so when I did that remix, I started to connect more with these people from the techno parties. Actually, the first time I, I played in a techno party in Sao Paulo is because 
I asked, I asked to play. <laughs> I was like, okay, I have this, you know, I have this, uh, this DJ set with more like electronic stuff. Can I do it in your party? And Kashi was like, okay, okay, let's go. And when I finished, I had, uh, I, I turned the back to the people that were like behind me. And there was like two people. I want to book you who you are. Wh what's your name? Like, where do you live? How much? Like, amazing you know like so for me it was like okay it worked <laughs> yeah i was gonna like, say it paid I, off what like, i had in my mind it worked um this tune put you on the map internationally i think it's fair to say so it's yeah. alongside tap it came out on shizar's label tell me about namadruga because there were like edits being made left right and center not only not only like internationally emily like there's there was like the 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 flute from the flute from the beginning. There's a big funk tune that samples yes. it, and I was like, I spoke to someone who shall remain nameless. I was like, they sample Bad Sister, and they're like, no, 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 they Bad Sister got it off a sample pack. <laughs> and then I spoke to you, like, no, I didn't. No, no, no. It was uh, Tiago that made it. You know, like Tiago that made the the melody. <laughs> it's crazy because a lot of people ask me as well, like. Oh, did you sample that funk? No, they sampled me, you know, <laughs> like, and there's a point that they cut it, they cut it off the flute from the beginning and they put in some uh, SoundCloud. It was Fiocchi, wasn't it? You know? Didn't Fiocchi like sample it? Uh -huh. Who did Bum Bum Tam Tam? Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because also, I feel like funk, they sample everything, but yeah, like, they sample everything. But they don't necessarily, I would say, like, but they don't give the, the they don't give the credits. They don't give the credit, but also, it's like, it's just like flute. It's interesting that they were <laughs> looking, point. yeah, flute point. MP3. Here's a nice flute. <laughs> but it's interesting that they were looking at you as an underground right? producer in Sao Paulo because a lot of what they sample is like, you know, songs from the 80s or like yeah. classical music or a big old like samba tune yeah. or something so for them to be like them as a you know for producers in that scene to be aware of you like how yeah, did that, that was, feel i mean for me i was like when i saw the the guys from the tone of funk they they sampled me i was like oh this is so nice like how 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 they know about me you know i i was not even mad there was not any like oh we sampled this from this track and blah blah I was not mad about it, you know. It's, it was a compliment for me. <laughs> but put it in context <laughs> now, as even well. Even like, like this, this year I went to a Bailey Funky Rio and I and I I I heard that again, like in like this crazy, really crazy karaoke, funk karaoke tune, you're like really fast and blah 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 blah. blah, blah. Wow! Please send me like, that tune. Please send me yeah, that version. I don't even know which one it is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it was it was simple that much that I don't even know which one it is. And I was with a with my girlfriend. I told her, "Oh, you see this flute? It's from a, a, a music I made like bunch of years ago." And she was like, "No, you're kidding me. No, I'm I'm being serious. I can't believe like, she doesn't look. know about your tune yeah. as well." <laughs> and I I told her like, "Look, look, it's this tune here." And she was like, "No, I can't believe that's crazy. Like, yeah, it's crazy." Um, we're gonna do a quick fire round before we go back into some Let's serious go. questions. I'm ready. So you have to answer these okay. in the spirit that they are asked, which is to bring the two sides of DJ debate together, ah. or you can be super opinionated. Let's go.
right, sink or no sink? No sink. Pioneer or Alan and Heath? Ah, oh, Jesus, they're gonna kill me for this with Alan and Heath. What? Okay, get out. <laughs> yeah, go. Can I just ask very quickly <laughs> why? I know I've been enjoying a lot right now. What do you do without all the effects buttons though? Yeah, we don't like this is what I'm trying to do, you know, like trying to do a new way without effects. Oh my god. Yeah. I'm making life I so like, hard. I like to challenge myself. Sorry. <laughs> I know what you're gonna answer for this. Day job or full time DJ? Well, what day job like nine to five or no full-time dj of course should and i know what you're gonna answer to this as well should producers dj and should djs produce i think should djs produce yes okay yeah. so should djs publish their track listings uh, <laughs> can i answer as a dj or as the crowd <laughs> oh, i don't know you tell me no, I mean, I think they should pu- publish the, the track list. What is, your, what is your panic tune if you've accidentally cleared the dance floor? Oh, my panic tune. I don't know, something from Rihanna. <laughs> <laughs> Some Rihanna tracks. <laughs> uh, what is the effects that you most overuse on the Pioneer? The, the spiral one. Okay. Oh, Jesus. I think it's just like... I don't even know another one. <laughs> oh, wow. See, I'm like that with echo and delay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is better, gig at home or gig abroad? Gig abroad, you see, like, uh, you say, like, somewhere else. I like to play somewhere else, actually. I'm, I've am i been playing a lot in Sao Paulo, like, <laughs> I want to go, you know. <laughs> well, it's good that you said that, because now I want to talk to you about your international career. Okay, what was the go. first time when was the first time you played abroad and what was it like it, it was like in 2018 in mexico actually but i didn't yeah in mexico i didn't play by myself i played with linda quebrada it was my first time uh, going out brazil so oh, it wow was, yeah so this was like 2016 or something 2018, 2018. actually yeah and the the first time that I've played by myself, it was in Lyon, in France. The first time, the first European tour that uh, we were together here in London. Yeah, you came and played a show for me yeah. and Femme Culture. And the, the first the first gig was uh, in Lyon in this like random pub. That a friend of ours uh, she she gave us this gig and. It was like really random. Nobody knew about me. So, but it was, it was really fun actually. But it was the first time like playing for another crowd, you know? So what was it like, yeah. like coming into that space yeah. as someone from Brazil into like Europe? Yeah. European people, they can dance really funny. Actually, <laughs> this was my first time. When you say time. funny, do you mean bad? <laughs> No, not bad uh, because I <laughs> I stopped seeing as bad, you know. Oh wow, um, that's damning. <laughs> no, I stopped seeing like that's right or wrong, you know. Now I I feel excited when I see people moving the way that they want to move, you know. What are the but differences? At the, at the first time, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I was like, what, what are you trying to do? Like kicking the air? What the? Fuck? <laughs> okay. Like trying to move the hips? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> i would like to say in def- well no i was going to say in defense of europe but like it just makes britain seem really bad like it is a big place and like mm-hmm. there are certain countries where they dance better yeah it is 
It is, it is. Britain is I don't know where Britain sits on that spectrum for you. Oh, the British. No, the British actually, they dance quite good, actually. Yeah, I think like the German people can be like really weird sometimes. Depends on what you're playing. Like, because for us, when I, I was playing some Bailey Funk tracks, you know, and you see the people like moving the way like the music does with their body. And I was like, no, that's not the way you dance. No, like, <laughs> Like why are you moving the the your arms? Like you have to move your hips, not the arms. Like <laughs> I feel happy when I play like Bailey Funk tracks and people dance like however they want to dance, you know, because I feel that okay, I I got you, you know, like you're with me, you know. Mm. And what's like? Are there any really like weird random places that you've played on tour? Yes, always. Well, like, were there any places where you were like, this is just not what I expected and <laughs> like what am I doing here like any terrible gigs or any really strange ones uh there was uh some terrible it's it always happens but like there was this place that I I went in a documenta festival in Kassel in Germany and and the crowd was like children families uh drunks dogs clubbers random clubbers you know queer people and it was like when I got into the stage, I was like, man, what am I going to do? Like, what am I going to play to? It's such a different, you know, such a, it's diversity. <laughs> it's, not, it's so, so different people in the same crowd. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to play what I have in my USBs, you know, like, so I started like with more, uh, dance hall stuff, more cumbia and blah, blah, blah. And there was a point that people, like, they were getting up on the stage to dance, you know. They're like, can I come up? And I was like, yeah, of course, come. And it was super funny, you know. Like, uh, I thought it was going to be, like, the worst gig. But it, it surprised me so much because I was not expecting that at all. And now I was not expecting to work, you know. I wanted to ask you about um the impact of playing at Nyege Nyege had on you as well because you went and spent some time in uganda and oh, it blew my my mind me like, too when i played i was like wow this is just my my brain melted because you were there for like, like you were there for a few weeks right did you do some residencies no, yeah, in kampala um in 2021 yes so nyege is like obviously a festival and a label in uganda they have like yeah. a really great network of like producers from all over africa but particularly east africa they have a studio and they obviously have a big festival as well. What was the experience of playing Nyege like for you? Yeah, I played there in 2019 and 2021. I did a residency, so I stayed there for more weeks. I stayed there like for almost two months. For me to, to, to go to the festival, it blew my mind because you can see so many different things, so many crazy things and how the people dance, how they interact with the music. And there are so many stages, like you can play whatever you want to that. And what, yeah, there's obviously like the sort of the significance of Uganda hosting a festival that's like very accessible and supportive of the queer community against the backdrop of like, terrible repressive laws in the country and you know obviously coming from brazil it doesn't have like the best lgbt reputation either like did you feel a kind of um like a resonance in that sense with the crowd uh, <clears throat> with the crowd not so much like in the festival it's it's okay you know i could feel more like when i was there 
during the two months i could feel more you know like mm. also like in Nyege Nyege, i had a really short hair when i was uh going out of uganda the immigration officer <laughs> she asked me like why you have your hair like this random i was like why and she was like why don't you let it grow like you could be way prettier oh my god I was like okay thank you for that tip. <laughs> you know like I don't care, like, <laughs> and I, I don't know, like, and right now they have all these anti-LGBT laws, super rough. So, yeah, it's awful. Yeah, it's not, it's not uh, so safe there actually for LGBT people. Yeah, so it's terrible. There was some places we tried to go, and the security they they didn't want us to come inside you know so it's oh, horrible you yeah you face some of this kind of situation you mentioned right at the beginning of our conversation that like when you played in natal you did a free party for the community how important is that sense of community for you like in dance music why does it matter uh, for me for me it matters because they they are my my crowd you know mm-hmm. like when i release some stuff when I when I'm going to some some cities to play, you know, like they go to see me. Mm. They 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 <laughs> sometimes they say like, oh my mummy, my queen, like the owner, you know, the boss, but chefinha, yeah, chefinha, <laughs> you know, because it's um, it's like I do all these movements as well to 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 make it stronger, you know, to to make it like really establish a uh, uh, scene you know so our mentality because uh since we don't have so much money so much so much structure if we don't do like this mm. there is going to be a, st- a, structure, a structure just like for one collective mm. or it's going to be like a really nice sound system just for one party you mm. know and we want like everybody to you know like mm. to enjoy you know and to to share this yeah. this knowledge or structure you know it's so important because i think you know community gets used a lot as a kind of like marketing tool here and you know it's it's a way of like trying to get people to come and be part of something but like actually you are part of something you've created something that people want to be part of and that's that's amazing what when you look back on what you've done so far because i think you've got a long career ahead of you like what are the things like is there one show that like sticks out you're like yeah that was like the best thing ever one show oh oh, emily you ask me some some difficult stuff i think the first time i played in mamba negra was like it was a really turning point for me you know uh it was also like where i started to build more confidence to be on the electronic and techno scene you know and it's some stuff that you do that you like when you want to do you don't see the results you can imagine the results but once you're done and you see all the results that you start to have like after this it's crazy you know my work starts to it spread like a virus you know <laughs> like blah. i don't know what i what i would do like if if i was not doing this right now you know bad sister thank you so much it's been brilliant chatting to you thank you thank you everyone thank you emily once more always uh yes always 
The thing I love about Bad Sister is that she takes her art and career super seriously, but she also just loves what she does. And she's so passionate about paying back to the community who've supported her since the beginning, which I think is really important. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you liked it, please tell someone else who might like it. Give us a follow, subscribe, review it or share it. You can also follow us on socials at Dances for Buildings. This episode was produced by Erica McCoy and the music is by Julia Tess. It was presented by me, Emily Dust.